Okay. Three, two, one. Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we break down popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I am the music maker. And I am the dreamer of the dreams. I mean, I'm Willy Wonka. I mean, I'm Alex. <laughs> this week, we're going to be talking about Days of Future Pets. I love how that always gets an <clears throat> awkward chuckle out of you every time <laughs> I do that terrible, react. terrible joke. Because there's no way to get, to move on after that. It just kind of sits there and <laughs> dies. And it's like, oh, I, get, I guess we're talking about movies. I think I'm the person who most appreciates it. I can't imagine anyone out there listening to us, but... No. Unless they've listened to every single episode, but why would you? So, hey. Hey, Tyler. Hey, Tyler. We suddenly got to a very sad place. Hey, let's get to a happy place. You know what we did this week? We watched a good movie. Is this the, the best movie we've we've watched thus far? I guess you you'll... stick around to find out. I, I, I won't... I won't completely undercut you and throw in a spoiler saying exactly how we feel about it like I always do. <laughs> okay, so this week we're doing X-Men Days of Future Past, directed by Brian Singer from 2014. Uh, the Rotten Tomato scores for this are, uh, let's see, the critic score for this is 91%, which is very, very high for a superhero movie, let alone just all the movies we've done so far. I mean, at least half of them have been superhero movies, but you get my point. And the uh, audience score is a 92%, which, once again, goes along with the audience and critic scores for all of these movies being fairly close. Um, Tyler, you love this movie. I do. It's one of your favorites. This is not actually sarcasm for once. I do G- really like this movie. Give me your favorite thing and your least favorite oh thing. Oh god, I didn't even think of this. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, my favorite thing... See, that's the best part. Like beforehand, I, I, I've 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 already got the cogs turning in my head, trying to think about like the stuff I would say. And there's like a little tiny part in the back of my brain. Should I remind Tyler? And I'm like, nah, he he's got it. And then uh-huh. you never have it. It's okay to say your favorite thing is everything. Including the the two lines of dialogue that Halle Berry gets in this movie. I can tell you Halle Berry is not, not my least favorite thing. Actually, she's actually fine in this. I, 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 I was I was I was half, half hoping I could bring that back. <laughs> but no, that would be unfair. Um, yeah, I kind of I don't know. I I guess my my thing would be I guess my my favorite thing would be kind of the the abstract concept of the fact that the whole movie is very character entrenched rather than being kind of an overblown you know continuity whatever fest like it's 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 personal it's intimate i mean the, like obviously the, the finale gets climactic and there's big stuff happening but like the, there's there's a lot of good care like there's actual arcs going on and stuff like that and characters kind of coming into their own it's it's carnage and mayhem, but it doesn't forget that there's there's a very yeah. intimate personal core to it. Yeah, but I have which is which is oh. the, the best thing I can say about any good blockbuster. Like yeah. if there's the the personal core to it that's holding the movie together, that's that's usually a good sign for for a big action fest extravaganza like this. Yeah, 
and really what works for all the good X-Men movies. Yeah, um, I have literally no idea what my least favorite thing is. Like, I'm, we were trying to look up uh, criticism beforehand of this movie beforehand, and I'm admit that I, I, I put no research effort into this. I went through the first, like, three Google links, so, you know, whatever. But I, I can't really find a whole lot of stuff that, like, it feels like it very much is just kind of a taste thing, maybe, of just, like, it's if this is, this if the X-Men franchise and superhero movies are just kind of something you can't really get into. I Which, think, why would you be listening to this podcast? Yeah, or, <laughs> or you just hate Brian Singer because, hey, Deadpool was pretty good, even though that's an entirely different context, and... And it's still it's not as good as this. Completely inapplicable. Well, I mean, people argue that, and that's fine. The, the, I think they're both very good movies, but... <laughs> I'm just shaking my head over here. I Alex like, is discounting I'll, all of your opinions. I like Deadpool. We'll get to that next week, but... But see, I think that I think that's fine to, to debate that, but I, I, as far as actively disliking this movie... It's not like the comic book. It's bad. Yeah, like... like and and we'll get to that. Well, like we were just saying, uh, it, it's that's that's a completely different situation. That's that's. I I mean I'd be curious to see how what was what's the director of Deadpool? Tim uh, Miller. Tim Miller. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd be curious to see how he could take on an ensemble movie like this. But ultimately, Deadpool is is not in any way you can't extrapolate the formula and the the design and, and style of Deadpool into a, a feature or not. I mean. It's, into a, a, a big, bold comic book team adventure. Like, like that's that's just not going to work, and, and that's why I, I have a problem with everyone jumping on board immediately saying, oh, Brian Singer sucks. Now, if you're saying, hey, Brian Singer sucks because of Apocalypse, that's a different story. We're not going to review Apocalypse for a while. Yeah, you know, ha- have we stated what our rule is for movies yes, I that think are... we brought it up a few times. But, but we're, we like to wait until it comes out on, like, DVD or Blu-ray or whatever. That way we have time, like, after we've seen it a couple of times in theaters to process it, and yeah. then we get to watch it when it comes out. And that way we can discuss the movie while it's happening. Because I feel like we were just talking about this earlier where we were trying to kind of... Get, we went off on a tangent while talking about this movie and talked about Apocalypse a bit, and we realized there's there's so much that we just don't remember, and, and it would be it's it's much easier to be able to just sit there and think of something as and and just bring it up and say, hey, what about or what what is the implications of this, and is this a problem, whatever, while you're actually watching a movie instead of sitting there in theaters trying to be a a a, 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 a good, good film goer yeah, yeah. and and respecting everyone and staying Respect quiet. So. Yeah, the, the, we'll, we'll get to that. But as far as this movie goes, be kind and courteous at the movies. I feel like I <laughs> I could go on a tangent about that, but I won't. I, I haven't had a problem with people at movie theaters in a long time. I, I feel like generally people are. I don't know. I remember Mission Impossible Five. There were very annoying really? people, specifically that movie. <laughs> Sticks out in my brain. But um, no, if if you. I, I feel like a lot of people have suddenly decided that Days of Future Past is, is mediocre or bad after Deadpool or after Apocalypse because, hey, Brian Singer is terrible, we need to, to get rid of him and move on or whatever. And I, I, there, there's a whole conversation we had there. We will get to Apocalypse eventually. It might be a few months from now. Um, yeah. We'll probably just, just kind of do a random one-off uh, there to cover it. But... Yeah, I imagine we'll like finish off whatever series we're working on, do Apocalypse, and then move on yeah. to the next franchise. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, 
But yeah, I just... It, it's, it's ridiculous to me that people have suddenly decided Days of Future Past isn't as good as it was because of these extenuating facts. Like, it, it really does feel like a backlash, internet backlash thing, that where, where there's sudden hate for Brian Singer and Jennifer Lawrence and, and all the stuff that we've kind of talked about before. Has, has more more up. like you've talked about before. Yeah, I've ranted about before. Has kind of swung up and, and just taken out the, all of the goodwill that, that was built by this movie. And, I mean, I think the, the Rotten Tomato scores kind of speak for themselves. And I know Rotten Tomatoes are not the be-all, end-all, whatever, and there's been lots of conflict about that since ever since Batman. It's because everyone misreads what that statistic is supposed yeah, to be. Yeah. That is not the average score that you are probably going to give the movie. That yeah. is because it's the percent. Uh, uh, it's the percentage of of people that gave the movie a favorable opinion. Yeah, everyone could give Days of Future Past a seven out of ten. Like if everyone did that, it would have a hundred percent. Yeah, but the average score would be a seven out of ten. Yeah. Now I'm assuming the average score for Days of Future Past is higher than a seven out of ten. Well, but I, I'm just giving you an example, but. I, I look at the, the Rotten Tomato score as the percent chance that you are going to at least like a movie. Yeah, I think that's fair. But, like, everybody looks at it like, oh, that's the score I'm going to the, be assigning that's, it. That's the, the letter grade. Yeah. Which is not... That's not what it is. No, that's not how it plays out. Um, yeah, it, it's... I'm, I'm, I'm just generally annoyed with the internet about how they're treating these previous movies um because just despite and we talked about this in first class too where despite all the problems I have with maybe like the, the current roster of characters they're using and, and a lot of the continuity issues that are I really think this movie on its own is is incredible I think there's there's really a lot of great stuff to it and I'm just realize I'm still avoiding the fact that I don't know what my least favorite thing is just you don't have to have one I'm not saying you do <laughs> Just give it a perfect score, you Brian Singer, <laughs> Foxman fanboy, you. Yeah, you're not wrong. All right, let's let's give me a chance to talk. <laughs> um, my favorite thing. I was juggling between two things on this, and one of them is kind of like a snarky response, and the other one's genuine. The first one is, hey, this totally wipes X Men Three off the face of the planet. <laughs> like it completely wipes it from the timeline. Of course, we have to sacrifice X-Men 1 and 2 and the Wolverine, even though that, that movie is never addressed in this movie at all. But whatever. Um, yeah, X-Men 3 is gone. I'm happy. X-Men Origins is also gone. I mean, whatever. That, that movie never existed. Oh. Even though they use a couple of shots from it briefly in this movie, which irks me, but whatever. Oh, I forgot to mention also, in the Wolverine, there's a brief, like, fade-out sequence, and Wolverine's hearing voices in his head from, like, the past, and it's, like, him shouting, like, Gene a couple times. Then you hear him shout Kayla. We saw that on the subtitles, and I totally hate that I didn't bring it up, and I was like, wait, wait, it's the chick from X-Men Origins. What? It just suddenly the came... The love story of all time. <laughs> it just suddenly came out of nowhere, and it's yeah. like... <laughs> and but, but, the, but the audio isn't even loud to pick up on. We only noticed it because of the subtitles. I love it. <laughs> it's great. 
But uh, I think literally the only reference to that movie that we've gotten. Yes. Outside of yes. That yes. Deadpool action figure in Deadpool. I mean, a cu- the couple of shots that they use from it in this. Yeah, that's true. But they they go by so fast. Whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a couple of shots from the Wolverine as well. Yeah. So they don't like completely undercut that, but they they never really directly reference it, uh, which kind of bothers me. But uh, my other favorite thing, my non snarky thing. Is and I, I feel bad saying this because this isn't like putting down the rest of the movie, and I I feel like when when we review bad movies, especially, I tend to bring up score as my favorite thing, but the return of John Ottman's X Men Two theme in like a new revamped, like heavier version, like I remember sitting in the theater and listening to that, and I got like goosebumps. I was like, oh, this is gonna be the greatest movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> like I was just I was just so happy and giddy that they that they brought that back. And even, you know, with Apocalypse, you know, that movie has its problems, but then they bring up that theme and I get pumped up again, you know. So I'm I'm very happy with that. Just John Ottman's score in general I think is perfect for the X Men. So um my least favorite thing. See I I I was trying to think this over in my brain and I, I brought this up with you and, and you were like yeah I don't really have any problems with it and I was my problems with it mainly just lie in the continuity errors I mean you can say that yeah that's I, I guess I guess I'll go with that like there's still continuity you errors and I know a lot of this is just first class that movie's fault and I obviously I addressed that in the previous episode episode or two episodes ago yeah, yeah. Uh, I addressed that and that, that brought down the, the score for that movie it won't bring it down as much here but there is still stuff that, that yeah. doesn't quite make sense specifically and I'm not even talking about like with first class and the stuff in the past not jiving with the first three X-Men movies I'm talking about like the stuff in the future stuff just doesn't get explained <laughs> like why does Kitty Pride suddenly have time travel powers how is Professor X alive not everyone knows about that after credit scene from X-Men 3. How does Magneto have his powers? I know he got them at the end of X-Men 3, but what are the implications of that? Was the cure dud? And X-Men 3 was terrible, so we don't need to address any of that. that that's kind of the thing. And then, still, they even had a chance because it's like, oh, oh, okay, it's been 10 years since first class in the 70s. Um, you could have Magneto show up, and then he still helps Charles build the Cerebro under the X-Mansion? Like, you could have tried... Yeah. There's none, none of that is really yeah. addressed. And then, of course, there's the whole thing of Charles saying that he met Eric when he was 17 in X-Men 1. And then Brian Singer's even brought that up. He's like, yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so... Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Yeah, it's, it's like a lot of the smaller details get lost in these movies, but the big grand stuff is generally consistent. Yeah. Well, like, my, my problems with this are mainly just nitpicks. Okay. Like, all the continuity stuff. Like, the guy who plays Stryker looks and sounds nothing like Brian Cox, just like Dandy Houston looks in X-Men fine. Origins. I think you can could, you could imagine him as an old dude. If, with, he, if, if he attempted to do the southern accent, yeah, that's, I, I would have bought it more. Problem, I think, is the, the fact that doesn't well, it's mainly just when, when Wolverine starts freaking out and he's having all the different visions of Weapon X and stuff, and they do like a meld where, where this striker turns into Brian Cox, and it's just like, hey, he's completely different. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of distracting it's to me. Yeah. But 
none of that see see the movie on its own works like completely all yeah. this stuff is taken from from my background information from the other movies yeah. but at the same time I feel like you don't get nearly as much of the emotional impact specifically from the end of this movie if you haven't seen all yeah, that without stuff ignoring it. yeah yeah it's kind of kind and of a double edged sword and that's the thing too is like we were, we were talking about uh, beforehand that this doesn't really feel like a sequel to first class yeah necessarily nor does it really in many ways it's kind of an fu to first class yeah. and nor does it really feel like a sequel to x-men 3 it feels like a sequel to x-men origins wolverine but <laughs> no really it, you it, better start making sense quick boy <laughs> no it doesn't it, it doesn't really feel like a sequel to either x-men 3 or first class because it's kind of just like, hey, uh, it, it, we're we're going to salvage the kind of just weird continuity stuff in first class in the best possible way. The movie does the best job it can in trying to meld yeah. everything together yeah, and this, make it feel more like the one fact continuity. That this movie works is incredible. Oh yeah. Like it. It's... No, no, this movie. There are so many like we... spinning plates yeah. that could totally be dropped, and it, the movie would totally be screwed. It's amazing that this movie is is even competent, even mildly competent. Like, we said that about First Class. The fact that, that First Class has a lot of stuff that it's trying to handle outside the scenes, like whether or not it's a... Re or the fact that they can't decide if it's a full reboot and the, the rushed production and all that stuff. Like, the, the First Class has enough going on with it that that seems complicated. But First Class has nothing on the, the complications and the insanity that went into the fact that trying to design a story that, that effectively uh, worked the emotions of both like arcs and everything like like both both first class and the original X-Men trilogy like all that working is, is just insane yeah and the fact that I, I think it does that a lot better than it than first class does as far as like handling you know kind of it's figuring out how to how to dodge continuity implications and that sort of thing I it, Overall, it's just amazing to me that this movie has so many things to achieve and, and figure out and does them all so well. Um, also, I've decided my least favorite thing is going... Is oh, still, snap. He found one, finally. It's, it's, it's still going to be Halle Berry, but it's affectionately. It's, it's not... It's, it's not as... It's, it's for old time's sake. It's tradition. I, I, it's, I, this, this is not... I appreciate you in this movie, Halle Berry. You're okay. This is this is the resolution of my arc. But, <laughs> but but your least favorite thing is still Halle Berry. Yes, is that what you're telling us? Uh, no further uh, comments. I, I'm sitting with the audience on this one. I'm I'm gonna raise my hand and say you're full of crap, sir. You're not allowed to be in the audience. It's breach of contract. <laughs> breach of contract, right? No further comments. I don't even know where to go after that. Like, that's like a complete dead stop moment. Good job, buddy. All right, what's in the podcast? You killed the podcast. See you guys next week. Maybe. <laughs> All right, where do, where do we want to go from here? Um, I love that this movie, like First Class, is very much Magneto. He, it's his character arc, and this one is very much Xavier's character yeah. arc. Like, like First Class is 
how does Magneto become Magneto? And this one is, how does Professor X become Professor X? Yeah. And um. it, it does the Dark Knight Rises thing of, oh, he, he our, our main character becomes a, a weird shut-in, but yeah. I think this handles it a lot better than Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> yeah. Because it actually does more with... I feel like it does a lot more effectively with him being a shut-in a shut in and the implications yeah. of that. Yeah, I really like the, the conceit of... And don't get me wrong, I, I love Dark Knight Rises. I know, that, that movie's <laughs> a little bit divisive, but I'm just going to say, I, I, yeah, I still love that movie. We'll get to it eventually. Um, yeah. That, that, that'll be like three hours long, won't it? Yeah. That podcast will Probably. be at least as long as the movie. Twice as long. <laughs> the, uh... Yeah, don't don't I, give me I, that option. <laughs> I love the conceit that that Xavier is the only way he can he can or the, this medicine. I, I know it's kind of the the the, the medicine pseudoscience is kind see, of sketchy. See, that's the thing with the X Men movies, though. They have like these very stupid plot <laughs> things that are just like really ridiculous. Like, why? Wait, what? But it always. It, its purpose is to is to help strengthen a character arc or to move almost, the character forward. You almost don't even notice it because of that. Like, yeah. you, you don't even notice the fact that it's actually quite silly. Plus, at the same time that Hank's explaining like this very stupid plot point, Professor X is shooting up. Yeah. Which is... Yeah. You wouldn't expect that in a Hollywood blockbuster, just a guy just, like, shooting up. Yeah. Um, like, it's very... Yeah, I agree. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the idea is that he... Uh, Hank has devised a way for him to be able to walk again, but in order for it to happen, it uh, it deadens all of his mental abilities. Yeah, and it's it's this this weird kind of addictive medicine thing. Uh, well, I like that he he doesn't only take it to get his legs back. He also does it because since the students left and he and he kind of lost everything. Like also his. He, he's lost control of his powers and he just yeah. hears all these voices and all this pain and anguish and he can't handle it. Yeah. And then Wolverine's like, no, hey, toughen up, buddy. Yeah. The world sucks. Uh, you need to get over it. So, I, yeah, I feel like the, that this is the best way to go with this is, is what we, we end up doing a lot of times. I feel like a lot of times we either decide on analyzing all the characters or analyzing the plot depending on what it calls for. And this is definitely one where you want to talk about the characters a little more, I think. Yeah. Um, because Xavier, Xavier's whole deal in this is that, yeah, he, he's kind of just given up on his dream, and, and you know, he had this, this idea in first class. That's and this is where you use historical events to help, like Vietnam and the draft taking away most of the students. Yeah. Like, that that totally works. Yeah, I agree. Um, and yeah, it's, it's kind of, Xavier is uh, coming to... Uh, to, to I'm trying to think exactly what happened in this movie because it's quite late and I'm tired. But Xavier comes to... You look upset at me. Uh, yeah, I am kind of <laughs> upset with you, but whatever, continue. It's been a long day. Yeah, uh, Xavier, he, he is ultimately coming into his own and kind of becoming more of the professor that we, we know. Yeah. Um, and becoming the... You know, becoming the the guy from the comics, almost not not being bald, but where he's he's starting. Oh, we'll to, get there. Uh huh. Where he's starting to inspire everybody, and you know, he's he did that in the fir- in first class, but it, it kind of felt like he didn't have any. It, it kind of felt like he was almost naive in first class, where where you know now now he's got this kind of tragedy to back it up, and and you know he's 
his his power is a little more out of control, and he's he's kind of having to think about the weight of his actions a little more. And it's and especially I love the conversation he has with Magneto uh, on the the airplane where Magneto is like, "Oh, you mean the Oscar worthy scene yeah. in terms of performance yeah, from both of them?" Yeah, the, where where Magneto flips out at him because Xavier's kind of trying to get on him for being like, "Hey, why are you an idiot? You, you tried to get the president killed or whatever." And he's like, you took everything from me. He's like, you, where, why were you hiding in your your house while the rest of us were getting killed? Yeah. Why weren't you standing up for the rest of us? Magneto just starts listing off first class characters that were just wasted, <laughs> and it's amazing. Wasted in multiple senses no, but of the term. It, but I, get, I, but I, I, I get confused as to the logic of how some of them get killed. Because I know like a lot of the characters are left with him in the Brotherhood at the end. But then like... How does he know that Banshee is dead? <laughs> Did Banshee get called into the draft? Like, how would Magneto yeah. know that? <laughs> I'm sure that could be explained away in, in like, a little one-shot comic book or something, but... <laughs> how Banshee died in X-Men Days of Future Past. That's no, or issue number one. No, but, but it, it's weird how Magneto knows as much as he does at that point, yeah. because he's, like... Like a year after first class, he's immediately put in the Pentagon prison. Yeah, because that's when Kennedy gets shot. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you can imagine that a lot happened in that year. I guess. I like know. I said, these are nitpicks. That's not I mean, that. That is not the point of yeah. the scene. I mean, if we're if we're really analyzing, you could just say, well, maybe Xavier or Xavier obviously spiraled into kind of a depression after he was paralyzed, and, and you know things went out of control, and maybe everyone affected the Magneto side. And then everyone got killed. Something like that. Or maybe Magneto was getting the newspaper, because it's paper, so they were just giving him the news. I mean, you can have any, like, throwaway <laughs> excuse. That yes. Nitpicks. Yes. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I love kind of the direction of him, Xavier ultimately coming back out of the shell and, and trying to... And then having, like, the centerpiece of him becoming Professor X, talking down Mystique. Yes. And be and, and ultimately being like, hey, I'm not going to control you anymore. This is your choice, but I know you'll make the right choice. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, so so like all that. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> and that's something we'll get to in a little bit. Is the finale of this movie? I think is is pitch perfect. Yeah, I, I think it hits every note. Uh, I have one little personal preference thing just for myself that I think would have made it better. But yes, it, it's yeah. wonderful. Uh, so who do you want? Who do you want to jump to next? Mystique or Magneto? Well, let's jump to Mystique. Let's handle the Jennifer Lawrence situation. Yes. Go. Because she's still fine. I still don't get it. I still have no They're idea. doing interesting things with her character. She is not the one-dimensional, hey, I'm just Magneto's lackey that she yeah. is in the... I know everyone loves Rebecca Romaine as Mystique. And, like, she's awesome. But that that's not a character. That yeah. is just there. Like she's Yeah, I think we talked about this in the last one. Yeah, it's it's... Like she, she's a cool it. henchman, and that's it. <laughs> this she actually had. Like I understand, like her worldview and like how and she think, goes through, like the things that she goes through, as opposed to, hey, I'm just gonna punch people now because I'm awesome. Yeah, and she's not McAvoy or Fassbender, but she certainly holds her own. Yeah, like she's she's fine. I I really don't get it. <laughs> I just I can't see what people. I don't know. Okay, I, I want people to tell me who they would have rather have ca had cast as Mystique. Then then I could start understanding, maybe. 
Be like, could you imagine like this person playing her instead yeah. of Jennifer Lawrence? I'm sure you'd get, you know, Emily Blunt, Scarlett Johansson. I don't know. You you'd get the usual cast of, of the, it, the the equi- get, the equivalents of Benedict Cumberbatch exactly and Idris Elba being <laughs> cast in every single fan cast yes. ever. That you get all the the female fan cast for every role. Yeah. That in the same way, yes, that Idris Elba and Benedict Cumberbatch get cast for every male role and some female roles and. Some, Whatever, but yeah, it's it's. I, I really don't understand why people hate her. In this it it makes no sense to me. Um, like I, I think it stems from just people resisting a, a lot of fans resisting the idea of Mystique being this a, a kind of central character in an X Men movie when they're like oh, oh it's got to be Wolverine and Cyclops and that and I get that like I understand that those those are great characters in the comics. Hey, you know what? Is, they make her interesting. Yeah, Deal. This, this is still a great story. They, they are still... Just like in First Class, she is the metaphor for where the conflict between Charles and Magneto stands. Yes. She's a perfect, like... She is the the chess piece yes. in this game. Yeah. Exactly. And, like, where her allegiance lies co- sort of determines the outcome of the end of the movie. Yeah. And... and... I, I, like I, I love that, and I love her. I love the fact that ultimately she comes to the realization that that she doesn't have to, you know, go after the humans. Like, and, and I do have a little bit of problem with with just how like determined she is to kill Trask. I'm not. Like, I get I get it, but it, it feels kind of like they they try to kind of explain that to her, and she's just like, "Not nah, screw you." What do you mean? As far as like the the fact that that, that it's going to lead bad things stuff like that like in the airport scene and stuff like that where he tries to destroy well it, it I mean, feels like she, I, mean I, I mean this this is right after Magneto tried to kill her yeah. and pull the bullet from her leg you're not wrong it's it's I mean and you you could argue that's more of a, a character thing of, of like your and friend. of course being told hey this guy told us from the future <laughs> that if you do this bad things will happen I really wanted you him to be like. You had a really bad trip. <laughs> you had some really bad acid. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. I, I kind of wish Magneto would be like, look, you shapeshift. I control metal. Are you really that shocked that we got a <laughs> message from the future? <laughs> you mean, you mean, Magneto? Did you say Magneto? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I completely. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> the. the uh, yeah, I, I love the fact that. Her, her thing is she's you know bound to determine one track mind of oh I, I gotta kill this guy I, he's he's kind of re- he's responsible for the deaths of all my friends I'm, I'm like I mean and you, yeah yeah I, I, you can argue that as like did she flaw. get it on with Azazel and then have Nightcrawler who knows <laughs> maybe they'll explain in a future movie maybe they won't they probably won't who <laughs> knows yeah um, I'm looking at you Apocalypse <laughs> oh it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it, but or is it? I don't know. It, in some in some ways, it just feels a little bit. I I just get at certain points in the movie. I feel like it's it's a little too far overboard for her to just like completely ignore everything that they're saying. But the fact she she ultimately listens at the end, so it's like it it, it makes it almost more powerful. Where it's like okay, she's 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 obviously been very stubborn and, and determined up to this point, and she's kind of finally broken down and realized maybe humans aren't necessarily the enemy 24 like she's in the first movie where she might have been 
on Xavier's side, she she now is swung to kind of Magneto's side, and then now she's she's gone back to maybe I should I should kind of think about think come up with more of my own philosophy. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I love that arc. I love I love the the, the final conference, confrontation between her and, and Xavier, where Xavier's talking her down, and and all of that. That's it's it's wonderful. It's beautiful. Uh, and, and it's beautiful. So so. We can get to the, the third part of uh, Magneto. Magneto is exactly the same as he is in X-Men 2. Yep. Pretty much it. I, I, yeah, they, it's pretty much just a rip-off of X-Men 2 in terms of what he... Like, they, he, he gets out of prison, he teams up for them for a while, he eventually goes against them and tries to screw everything up. Well, that's not... It's not even really... That, that's... People have complained about this a lot with Apocalypse, and like we said, keep saying we'll get there. But that's that's a different context. This one I don't see as much because this one, the the plot of X Men Two. I'm talking very surface level here. Yeah. There's I, a lot more but, going but, on character wise. Like like calling it a ripoff, I think that's that's way too far. It's. I mean, it, that's mostly in terms of hey, he's in prison again. Let's get yeah, it out. In in X Men Two, it's very. You know, hey, they team up right until the the final battle, and then it, it, it you know swarms it. In in this one, it's very clear they they free him. He goes with them. Then you realize that in, you, he goes with them to stop Mystique, and you realize immediately that he he does not have at all the same intention, intentions they do. Yeah. And then completely. Sp- well, plus, like once he gets to that point, it's like yeah, you kind of understand where he's coming from. He's like, yeah. well. Mystique's what starts the whole Sentinel program, like them using her DNA, like that begins the process that will eventually destroy us. Hey, I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and and he immediately splits off like halfway through the movie. Like we we still, and and I love like every scene where he just pops up and and he's just like doing all this crap behind the scenes after he get after he escapes. The, the the big parachuting thing. Before we we get to that, can I can I just point out just a, a weird continuity thing with with the glass guns and the Pentagon yeah. prison and all that. And it's like especially when you get to X Men three. And I know I said many times Magneto's an idiot in that they they write him terribly, but it's like the whole plastic they've learned. It's like dude, they had glass guns in the seventies. <laughs> yeah. Stupid. Whatever. <laughs> that's that's once again. That's more just. Hey, X Men Three is terrible. Well, see, just forget about the small stuff. That's because Magneto, in between this, finds a henchman who can control glass. Shut up! Shut up! Wait a minute. What about plastic? Shut up! Continue. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, Magneto split. So Magneto splits off this one, and, and I want to go and talk about the parachuting for a little bit. Um, I know sometimes we, we get scattered around here. I kind of want to... I, I guess we should explain the plot a little bit here. The, the Mystique... Um, you people haven't seen this movie? <laughs> the, I finally started saying that in, that it's a full spoiler podcast in the, in the description, so... Hey. Deal. Hey. The, Cyclops and Jean are in the end of this movie. <laughs> Spoilers! Uh, yeah. So Mystique is trying to kill Trask because she thinks he's the worst and he killed all her friends and everything. And then, um, yeah, immediately they, they Xavier and Magneto go to confront her after they, they get together. And there's the awesome Quicksilver scene before that in order to get 
heat him out, which is obviously awesome, as everyone else agrees. And yeah, we don't want we don't want to harp on that too long. That's yeah. it's it's great. Yeah, and everyone talks about how Quicksilver not going with him is a problem, which I kind of agree with. But for the most part, I kind of feel like, hey, he's you know a, a kid. Like it's the only reason they convinced him to go uh, break into the Pentagon was because they were like, hey, you get to break into the Pentagon. You know, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. And then he's just kind of like, all right, I'm gonna go to be my own thing now. I think it's fine. I think. Yeah, there's there's not like an enough emotional reason for him to be in the rest of the yeah. movie. Yeah. And and you would think also that Xavier is has has learned Xavier and Magneto both have learned their lesson of recruiting kids. Yeah. To try and fight in these these drastic wars between them. Um, R.I.P. Darwin. <laughs> and everyone else. And everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which we'll address in a second. But anyway, they get to the pair. They get. To the Paris, they get to Paris and they uh, get together and, and try and stop Mystique. And Magneto being like, "Okay, I'm gonna kill you." And I love the the ensuing events, how it, it all breaks, it all goes to hell, kind of. And yeah. then, um, and they and they see, make this the centerpiece where the world figures out yes, that mutants exist, which I love because I love the the. I love it, but at the same time, it sort of contradicts what first class is supposed yeah, to be. Can we talk about that. But, but again, in first class, it feels kind of rushed where they just kind of threw that out at the end, and, like right before the big battle happens. Like, oh, by the way, this is where they're all going to find out about us. But then no one is there to find out about them. Like, there's no point at which they would have, like, they would have seen the, the missiles going back and forth. That's why it gets very fu- especially when you get to Apocalypse with all the stuff with Moira coming back. You get, it gets very fuzzy as to how much the government actually knows about Xavier and the mansion yeah. and mutants. All of that gets super fuzzy. Yeah, exactly. Um, Anyway, the, the point is, I, I love the fact that this constantly switches into like a, a old ti- old style camera, like like a, the the first kind of color cameras are filming it, filming this event, and and I want to say they're like Super Eight cameras, something yeah, like and that. It gives this a really cool feel. Yeah, and I really really enjoy the way that that works. One and of which is just being shot by Brian Singer, and you can see him in the corner of one of the shots, just <laughs> because just shooting away because it's it's like. I think I think that's a really great little directing touch to, to you know. Show. Hey, it's the seventies. Yeah, but we're not going to be like, hey, it's the the groovy seventy. <laughs> like it's not over the top. It's just like, hey, this was a thing that was in the seventies. But well, but I, I'm saying more of the fact that that's how people would have viewed it back then, and that's how <laughs> weird and outlandish everything would have been back then. I, I love that uh, angle of it, and um, yeah, and, and and you know everything goes to crap, and then Magneto escapes, and. And Wolverine's Mystique tripping escapes. out because Wolverine flips out because Striker's striker. there, and Xavier's trying to calm him down by telling him that he had had really bad acid, and yeah, it's it's, it's a great scene. I, I really like that, and that I I will say it does feel like we we the the momentum kind of it's kind of it does feel a little weird for the momentum of the movie. Because right after that, it, it's kind of like everyone has to take a breather and be like, okay, what are we doing now? And, and like, I appreciate Oh, I'm fine with that. Like, I like it, but it, it, it kind of makes the movie feel longer than it is in some ways, I feel like. Because the, the fact that we basically, it feels like we get two climaxes almost. Like, that is, that, that scene right there is basically what the original uh, storyline from the comic is. The, the two-issue storyline, they switch past. Um, I think it's two issues. That That's, sounds right. It's it's very where it's this very small. It's actually like a pretty a pretty tight 
whole thing where it's just like Mystique shows up with a Brotherhood of Mutants and she's like, hey, I'm going to kill this dude or something. And then they have to stop her. And they do, and it, it, it kind of just moves on. And that kind of feels like that. And then it, it, it feels like it kind of slows down a bit and, and we have to kind of pick the momentum back up, which, it, which obviously the, the, the build towards, I think the build towards the finale completely pays off. See, I, but, I I like it because you know they go back to the X mansion, and and Wolverine's like, well, you know, she's still out there. We have to find her. Yeah. I'm still here, so obviously yeah. things aren't screwed up quite yet. And then you know Professor X finally starts reading his mind because he's losing like the the uh, the medications wearing off. He's like, you don't believe that. Like yeah. all that stuff worked for me. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying again. I'm maybe, not, maybe it's because it immediately goes into Charles Xavier character stuff and like the repercussions for those events, like that. Yeah. Like immediately going I'm into not that. Saying, I'm not saying it's any sort of problem with the actual story of the movie. I'm saying it's it's just kind of as a as a viewer, I I almost feel like it it takes me out for a second. So I'm like, that kind of felt like the the build up of the first half of the movie, and then we're we're kind of like, oh wait, well, okay, we're stepping back for a second and trying to figure out what's going on. I don't know. It's it's something about it where where it. I don't know. I I, I can't articulate it well enough for me to to just. I mean, I mean yeah, the, the pacing slows down a bit. Like it. Yeah. It's like ramping up tension, ramping up tension. Okay, we're taking a breather. Yeah. And then we got to ramp up tension yeah. again. I, the, the, that's that's ultimately what I'm getting at. But it feels like instead of the whole movie being, hey, we're steadily ramping up tension. Okay, we finally paid it off at the end. Okay, go home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. But then we build up towards the finale, which is... Wonderful. We have not mentioned, like, the future stuff at all. We'll get there. <laughs> I don't know. This is going to be a long podcast, I feel like. Uh, Magneto... So, so, after this, Magneto is going off, and he's doing all sorts of random stuff. And Well, he's infecting... He's trying to figure out what the Sentinels are. Yeah. And so then he, he takes them over using... How does he know about the Sentinels and stuff? I mean, doesn't... I guess no. He track he he tracks down Trask at his factory, and then he's like, "Okay, they're building Sentinels," and then he infects them with it with the, yeah, the metal stuff. Okay, I, because that because all works. That all works. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so he goes well, especially because he knows Mystique was going to kill Trask. Yeah. So he he follows him. That, well, that, he, yeah. Yeah. Wolverine specifically, I assume, explained the situation and the fact off screen. Yeah. 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 I mean, he he didn't say anything to Xavier. You would assume they would have updated Magneto too. And not just be like, "Hey, we gotta, we gotta go stop Mystique from doing a thing." No, like, okay. we, we don't trust you. We're only telling you half the details yeah. in case you screw it up. Oh wait, he screwed it up. <laughs> Maybe we should have told him everything. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Magneto is just kind of like, "Well, I'm gonna go do my own thing." And so then he goes and he he, he puts the the metal in the Sentinels, and then he goes and breaks into the Pentagon again in a wonderful scene where he goes and. and knocks out and or kills some random guards and steals back his uh, his mind control helmet. I have a couple nitpicks in this scene, though. I have a couple. Because there, there's also stuff in the in this room. There's there's the Magneto helmet, which is a completely different design from how it is at the end of First Class. Which is fine. <laughs> it looks stupid at the end of First Class, but so I wish they well, kept is it. Well, it... is it not supposed to be like a repaint of the one I mean, I get, yeah, I get, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Whatever, the Magneto helmet looks different like every movie, whatever. Um, there's, like, one of Angel's wings. 
which is actually kind of really dark. <laughs> Whatever. Um, there, there's the coin that he put through Shaw's head, which is one bit I liked in the rogue cut. Oh yeah, we we also not the rogue cut at all. Well, whatever. <laughs> Most of it we don't really need to discuss. But but he in the rogue cut, I w- I wish they kept the moment where he actually like takes off his sunglasses and looks at that as, for a second, like he actually like recognizes that. Yeah, just because it's a huge centerpiece to, to first class, like that the coin. But that. But again, okay. So so here's my problem with with the rogue cut. Look, look, we can go and address this really quick. The rope cut I didn't a, get to finish. Hold on. I, I, I wanna, I wanna <laughs> it's too much. We'll, we'll, we'll spiral back around here. Because uh, I feel like I feel like it's hard to discuss this without talking about the rope cut a little bit. Uh, this sequence, I mean. In the rope cut, um, there's a couple of scenes that are added in, and, and we'll maybe we'll address this a bit more when we talk about some of the future stuff as well. Uh, but mostly there's there's a lot of kind of unnecessary scenes. Um, they, they mess around a bit with the sequence of events of, of Mystique uh, getting ultimately going to, to try, and com- try and get after Trask again after she fails the first time. Uh, we do get a nice scene between her and Beast, but it's, it's kind of complicated as to how that works in the plot. And, you know, they, they change some stuff and everything. Because she breaks Cerebro, like she sabotages it so that Charles can't track her. Yeah. But then they're able to just, like, watch the news and be like, hey, she's going to show up there. Yeah. So it's kind of weird. So and and they they change that sequence of events and how that works. And then ultimately, so, apocalypse. When you get to that, the scene, the first scene between her and Beast, sort of contradicts this the stuff we get in the road cut. Yeah. So uh, it's like okay, <laughs> whatever. Uh, and then, but but then the so so we get a scene where um, Rogue is is being held in the expansion for whatever reason and this is after wolverine has seen striker and his future self is going crazy and he claws kitty and she's like bleeding out so iceman and magneto decide hey the one person who can help is is rogue so we have to go yeah. get her and for some reason the sentinels are holding her prisoner oh yeah they're keeping her in cerebro so that professor x can't find her yeah um and then they, they're experimenting on her and then magneto goes with Iceman to go break her out. But they intersplice this scene with that's yeah. 70s Magneto breaking say. in so, to so get the in helmet. The, in the theatrical cut, uh, Magneto is, is marching down this hallway and his, his theme in this, this movie, which I really love, is is, is thumping like... I think the, the first class theme for him is better. See, I don't really... What, what really is the difference? Are they that different? I think they're different. Okay. I mean, I mean I'm sure they are, but like I, I don't notice they both got got like a little bit of electric guitar element to it, but see, I feel like the the first class one I I think is more distinct. I don't know. Re- regardless, I think the music for this. Oh, I I think the music's still excellent, but I. Well, I, I was gonna say for this particular scene is perfect. Yeah. And and he's he's marching down the hallway and he's he uh, is spinning his his two metal like s- spheres of whatever, just like. Uh, where, does it show where he gets under? Does he just? He just has them. He just has them. Okay. Whatever. Yeah, and he's marching down the hallway, and it's this this driving thing where he he you know, uh, like there's a guard that tries to to uh, trigger an alarm, and he smashes his head in with them basically, uh, and then he he takes out two other guards with them, and, and like he's he's driving through, and it, the music is swelling, and, and it's it's dark, and, and then he smashes through, and he gets his his helmet back, um, and. I, I really love that sequence because I, I just it, it's I feel like it's such a great I don't 
feel like it builds momentum towards the climax in a, in a wonderful fashion. In the Rogue cut, they intercut that with Rogue being saved, and it doesn't really work at all. Because there's no, like, the, the scenes are similar? Yeah. It, I get Magneto's breaking in somewhere, even though he has Iceman with him in, this, in the, the future, and they're trying to find a person, and they almost die, and it's completely different, as opposed to in the, in the present, where Magneto is this, this force to be reckoned with. It's, that's, it, it just it completely destroys the momentum of the scene. And 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 I it, it it's completely unnecessary in my opinion. There are other scenes in the road cut that I do think are, should could have been left in, but we'll get there. Um, anyway, yeah, Magneto breaks him there, and then is that the last scene we get him get of him before he goes to the baseball stadium? He just oh, I love that scene with the baseball stadium. <laughs> the guys the guys just laying down the chalk. And Magneto just lands out of nowhere with this like this uber elaborate costume, yeah. which is actually I think the best Magneto costume yeah. that we've ever I gotten. Agree. No, that would be the one at the end of first class. Thank you very Shut much. Shut up. <laughs> and and the guy's just like, "Hey, can I help you?" And Magneto's just like, "No, no, you can't." And then he just lifts <laughs> up the stadium. <laughs> Screw you. It's great. And he just lifts the stadium and takes it over. Is Magneto a little overpowered in this? Yeah, probably. Do I care? Not no, really. Not particularly. Especially when we get to Apocalypse and then he's just like, hey, <laughs> hey, whatever. Screw you, buddy. Although that's, that's different context. Whatever. I mean, there's a little bit of plot backing that up. but Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, so Magneto flies over to, uh, to, to the White House. Because there, there's this whole interaction they have in the White House. We get the resolution of the, the part three of the, the metal detector gag. Where Wolverine, oh, forgets, yeah. Wolverine forgets that he doesn't have... Uh, or forgets that, that he no longer has the metal skeleton. So he walks through the, the detector and he's just like... Huh. This is pretty nice. Like, like just on his, on his face. He just, and there's no dialogue. There's no... Oh, why, why are you... What, what, why do you look like that? This might be my favorite gag in like any movies. <laughs> my favorite running gag. It's because it's never addressed really. Like, there's never any dialogue about it. It's just like little 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 whoop, something, and it's great. Anyway, uh, so yeah, they're going to a White House press conference about the Sentinels, and then Magneto's like, "Nah, man," and he or well, and and Mystique is about to shoot Trask on the stage. And Xavier stops her with his mind. Then Magneto shows up with. with Can I just say it's kind of funny seeing this guy like frozen in place, trying to pull out this gun, and, and the guy mouths, "Let me go, Charles." And Jennifer Lawrence's voice comes. <laughs> it's just unintentionally funny. Yeah, yeah you're not wrong. Um, but yeah, it, it's this great con- intersection of okay, Mystique. Mystique was was uh, going to. Or Mystique is at this press conference because she wants to kill Trask. Xavier is at this, this. Xavier and Wolverine and Beast are all here because they want to stop Mystique. Magneto's like, screw you guys. I'm going to make this my stance or my, my moment where I tell the world you're all screwed up. And, and then I'm going to kill Nixon and everyone. Yes, and it's just going to be... I, I'm going to take everything over now. Yeah. You should all be super super afraid of me. And so, so Magneto just crashes this baseball stadium around... The, around the, the White House after to create like a complete like 
protection for for him like against everyone around yeah. so nobody can get in yeah so he can just do whatever he yeah. wants inside and and turns on the sentinels and has them just start he doesn't kill anybody but he just has them start like wreaking havoc yeah um and then havoc <laughs> uh <laughs> then uh terrible wolf or he, he he chucks wolverine into the river after him with a bunch of, uh, Can I just say how wonderful Brady. that is? Yeah. That the decision to take Wolverine just completely out yeah. of the the ultimate climax of the it, movie. Make it about the three characters that are actually focused on. I, I feel like the people who especially don't like that Wolverine takes over these movies should be like really happy yeah, with that. You would think so. Well, especially because the whole thing centers on, you know, the the people in the future they don't know when Wolverine's like fixed stuff. And, like, having him take it completely out of the picture before we know what happens is like, oh, now he can't, like, affect it at all. Let's yeah. hope he did enough, like, he nudged yeah. enough people in the right yeah. places to exactly. be able to get the right outcome. Exactly. It's, it's, I think that's a really interesting element. Where, where it's completely on the basis of these three characters that we're following are now trying to figure out... Like, it's, it's, it's now watching them and figuring out how they are ultimately going to, to decide kind of the, the fate of mutant kind in this this moment and Wolverine can't say anything, he can't try and convince anyone to do anything else. He's like completely hopeless. Uh, and so what we get is is Magneto ripping the bunker out of the White House, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. And uh, I I love the moment where where uh, and Mystique Mystique managed to infiltrate the bunker beforehand. And I love the moment where where Magneto's got the guns all pointed and then what, what is it? Nixon walks out. Yeah. And then he's like, "Stand down!" I said, "Stand down!" Yeah. Nixon walks out and he's like, "Do you want to make a statement? Kill me." Yeah. Richard M. Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to do. Because I am not a crook. I had to do my terrible Nixon impression. <laughs> yeah, uh, but and and I love I love that there's this the the thing where he walks out and then there's just a little look between the actual Nixon and Trask in the back and that's just how you know that it's Mystique yeah it's just a little it's not like wait I'm not out there it's it's just a little look yeah it, it tells the audience exactly what we need to know we're not like shoving down your, the it's plot show right don't tell yeah and so then um, Mystique shoots him shoots Magneto through the neck in a way that doesn't kill him. Uh, and it, there's a great little line where she, he's like, your, your, your aim's getting worse. And she's like, no, it's not. Or something like that. I can't remember the exact line. Uh, and, and she, she takes that moment to, uh, use, get, get her own moment to, to turn around and try and kill Nixon. Or not Nixon, sorry. Trash. Trash. Uh, kill Nixon too while she's at it. Why not? <laughs> then, uh, <clears throat> Xavier, you know, has the discussion that we were talking about earlier where, where he, he intervenes. And this is like, where the, the details get kind of fuzzy on who's actually seeing this. Because I'm just imagining, because the cameras are on her while this is happening, yeah. but he's got, like, Nixon and all of his guys and Trask frozen. Yeah. And, like, she's seeing Professor X, like, just standing there. And uh, she's just like, get out of my head, Charles! It's like everyone seeing that on, on like, the cameras and be like, what? what, what? <laughs> Why are they frozen and who's oh. she talking to? <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it really doesn't. Because uh, it's not like they can do anything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, then, and yeah, and then ultimately she's like, alright. He, he 
he's he's right. I have to I have to agree with him. I'm I'm gonna go. Well, especially because they build up like the whole reason she left Charles and she's done with him and she says throughout the movie she's like you keep trying to control me stop trying to control me and then he's like hey here's the right decision I'm not going to control you I could force you to do this with my mind but I'm not yeah. going to make your choice yeah, it's a like, realizing that he can't control everything but that doesn't mean he shouldn't try why do people hate this 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 <laughs> <laughs> everything yeah no idea um and then the music's playing a nice piano thing and everyone in the future is getting brutally murdered and you're like Will she make the right choice? Oh, yeah, that's great. And that's then she and then the, she just drops the gun and walks away. It's beautiful. That's another thing about the row cut. I, I find the I find Iceman dying uh, for uh, Kitty Pride a little more interesting there in the climax of the movie rather than him just kind of getting killed off yeah. at the X Mansion for whatever <laughs> just cause and then Rogue just kind of looking sad. I, I like it better when K- Kitty Pride has been like exhausted the whole way through the movie trying to maintain this and like all that stuff um I also don't like how the reason the sentinels are able to track them there in the road cut is because like a part of one of the sentinels arms gets stuck yeah. on the X-Jet when it's established that the sentinels are generally they, they eventually people. just find them yeah so it's just a ticking time bomb of when they're gonna find them yeah like <laughs> yeah exactly it's weird uh and, and yeah, all of that scene This is, is the one time I will say an extended cut is ultimately not the best version of yes. the movie. Um, Usually I will say that. Usually more footage is good. Yeah. But in this case, no. They, they, yeah. this, the theatrical edit is, is very close to what I would want. Okay. <laughs> considering all the full footage that we've seen. Yeah. Um, is there anything else major that I, there I got a few little little notes I want to point out a few little I guess nitpicks whatever little comments but any other major plot elements I love how it ends with with Stryker finding Wolverine but it's actually Mystique yeah. regardless of how Apocalypse handles it poorly or not poorly um, <laughs> spoilers 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 I'm sorry but um I love that twist at the end yes. and it's just because it's it's so in line the the what is it is it Xavier making the speech over? yeah it, it's his thing at the end where he's like it, it you know it, talking about like ripples in, in the flow in the river of time yeah and how like if you ne- make enough ripples like eventually the flow will change or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah yeah the, the final line of the movie is, is just one, and the, the burn it's it's, it's fantastic and, and apparently when they originally shot that like they stuck that in at the last minute with it being mystique like originally oh, really? it was just supposed to be hey striker finds him and that's yeah. how weapon x gets started in this yeah. this new timeline which i would have been fine with but it, it doesn't really work with what xavier's saying at the end yeah of how like hey everything's different now blah, blah, blah. like it makes like like it works better with the, with the mystique twist at the end yeah. Too bad it's not paid off well. <laughs> or at all. We'll get there. Uh, a few little things. Why do you want me to not like you, Apocalypse? <laughs> <sighs> um, beast makeup. I'm not a fan. I'll say that already. I think it's slightly better than first class. I... I don't know. The, I think... It's too bright. Yeah, it just looks kind of... I don't know. It, it it looks very painted. I just still find it amusing that Matthew Bond's like, yeah, that, that X-Men 3 makeup was terrible. And you and me are just like, 
It was fine. It was like perfect. Yeah, the X Men Three makeup is easily the best. Are you telling me Brett Ratner did something correct? Somehow. I feel like I've made that joke before. You have. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, I, it just looks kind of weird in here. I think I did like it overall more in first class. I love Mystique's makeup in this a lot better. Yeah. I feel okay. like this is the best that it's ever been. I can agree. I feel like that. they get the lighting finally, finally, they get that right. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, the, no, no, now I remember. What, my biggest problem with, with Beast makeup is the fact that they like they grow his hair out in such a way that it's it's and like his, his he grows facial hair so he has like this kind of weird beard hair stuff i don't know it just, i don't think it looks very good i th- i think it's better when it's it's better when he's got kind of like an ape cat lion face thing whatever choice you want to make cause they whatever change, kelsey grammer has cuz they change it in the comics every time but they really do which is which i think is why i like the first class makeup a little bit more um Oh, that's kind of, is that CGI mostly? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, this one feels a lot more like. Whenever he's makeup. moving his mouth, I think it's CGI. Okay. Um, this one is all natural. Yeah. Well, I mean, not it's live. It's practical. They yeah. they they put makeup on it, so, so it's not natural. But it's. <laughs> I, 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 I think I think they understood. I I, I said stupid. Oh. <laughs> yeah. The, so that's 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 one little little tick. Um, I was gonna say something. Oh, how how do you feel about Watergate being implied as the? Uh, well, wasn't that implied to be to have something to do with with their discussions? What? Is that that that's a scene, isn't it? Where where they're talking about the the Sentinels. And then uh, Nixon clicks like a tape or something like that. Oh, that's the rope cut. Is that only the rope cut? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, th- I think that's in the row cut where he's like switch it off and they turn off the tape recorder I know it's in something I've seen the scene before I wasn't sure if it was the main interview oh I'm fine with that Cause it, okay. no cause he had tons of recordings not just with the Watergate stuff but he had tons of recordings that he kept okay like that that's, that that was more of a Nixon quirk than anything else okay um, but I believe that was the row cut how do you feel about, about JFK being the mutant that Magneto was trying to save it's not so much that that bothers me, although that's whatever. <laughs> Once again, it does more for character stuff yeah. than anything else. But just the weird bullet logic yeah. kind of confuses the, me. So, so the idea is that Magneto is trying to curve the bullet away, and that's why the bullet is curved weird. Even though the bullet isn't really curved, like I, know, I, I I'm not going to try and debate conspiracy theorists on this podcast. But like the the way. People Coriolis effect and such. <laughs> I know words. The people have analyzed that the, that the the deal with that whole thing is because the car was situated in a weird way, where the seats in the back were like higher up and, and like it was a little different, and um, because of that, the the bullet seemed to have entered people in weird ways. No, for me, it's just okay. So so you know the bullet curved, Magneto affected it, blah blah blah. So, so, did he start to affect it just, like... Like, was the bullet gonna miss beforehand, yeah. and then he accidentally curved it because he was gonna throw it, like, completely the other way, and he was stopped before he could do it all the way? Yeah, I guess that's that's the best way you can argue it, is that he was starting to curve it away, maybe, in some way. But the know. bullet was gonna miss. Yeah. So, I don't know. Or, or maybe... I mean, it, it... I don't know. It's dumb. It could just be that they... It's dumb, it's dumb, it's dumb, but it goes for a character thing, well, I mean, so you, I don't you care. Could, you could argue something or the other about he was... May, they, maybe but to bring that up and then not really explain it. Yeah, yeah. 
mean, you could argue he he just got caught, like they they know who he is, and he got caught trying to move the bullet. What do you think JFK's was. power was? Sex a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're not gonna get any further than that. Okay, moving on. He I'm was sorry. a ladies' man. I'm, I'm sorry, JFK. I, I, I promise, I, I like you. It's okay. <laughs> we are patriots. We promise. One of his favorite books was a James Bond book. I can't be <laughs> mad at him. Yeah, yeah. He he made like top ten lists of like his favorite books. <laughs> And, like, From Russia With Love was one of his ones that he put on there. Interesting. Fun fact for the day. I like um, James Bond. Is that all, the, all your main thoughts on the, the movie? Got anything else? Oh, I mean, we haven't even addressed most of the future oh, stuff. Yeah, well, and then and then we, we didn't really address Wolverine and his... Where he is in the movie. Wolverine's kind of just a... Yeah, like he's, he's 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 almost no. Like, th- that's that's why like is even though they don't really reference the Wolverine at all, I'm glad that we got that just because that was his character thing. Yeah, and now he can step back and everyone else can can shine a bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I know everyone's forgotten the Wolverine, but obviously you and I both really liked it. You borderline love it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you gave it an A minus. Uh-huh. What was I gonna say? Um. <laughs> Starts to zoom in on you like Ben Affleck. This place sounds a sound. And what about you, Ben? I totally agree. <laughs> For those who don't know, that is from an interview with Ben Affleck about that or Superman. You should go look it up because it's it's pretty it's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah. The, the Wolverine stuff, he's, he's kind of just almost a plot device. Like, he's, he's just kind of there. I mean, he's just yeah. kind of... Uh, there's not a whole lot for him to do. He's just kind of, you know... I, I, love, how, I love how older Patrick Stewart Professor X... By the way, we need to talk about the, the McAvoy-Stewart scene. Because that's one of the greatest scenes ever. Okay. <laughs> I love it. No, but but how, how Patrick Stewart's like, Hey, remember how I helped you, like find yourself and become a better person you're gonna have to do that for me like I love yeah. that and then that, that really makes this feel like an X-Men 4 yeah, yeah like that's <sighs> um, why does why does Ian McKellen's Magneto go hey you need to find me as well <laughs> because he wants to be like hey I'm gonna screw up all your plans <laughs> I, I I don't know that, that that felt kind of like I guess you could go with well both you need both of them to convince Raven to stop at this I feel point like in time. It's, it's partially that, but I feel like also we can you can very easily interpret it as Maggie being like, oh yeah, you need me to to help Miss. <sighs> but then at the end, you get to the point where where Magneto like right well, before they're I, all about to I'm die, and he's like, that... imagine if if you know we we if we had been friends and we quit but, fighting, like if we could have some of those years back. Yes, I am. I, I'm not saying, and that's a great scene. I'm not saying that he's trying to actively be like, "Hey, I'm gonna destroy everything we care about." It's, I feel like it's him being like, "This is a chance for for my for to become." That, basically, he's like, "Hey, I want to." I feel like it's like I want to be involved in this because I want to be able to control the the future as well. See, you say that, but the, but then he says right before they send Wolverine back, he's like. 
we were younger. We didn't know any better. And he's like laying all of his concerns to Charles of like, are we really going to trust our younger selves to make the right decisions? Like he brings that up. Yeah. It's just a mystique thing. I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> but yeah, the, all, I, I mean, I, I think all the future stuff is wonderful. That, that for, the opening fight in this movie is incredible. That is, I, I'm surprised a lot of people don't bring that up. Maybe it's just because we're not dealing with a lot of the really famous X-Men characters in the fight, but, like, it's one of the best superhero action sequences I've and, ever like, seen. you could argue maybe that you don't but have just, just Blink's stuff alone the with... The teleportation stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing. And Just the one wide shot with her sending a sentinel into a portal and it yeah. starts to stab back and it stabs her before the portal... Like, oh, it's great. It's, it's incredible. Uh, and the, the way... Like, you could argue people don't really like it maybe because they're not invested or, like, there's not a lot of emotion in it. But it's, it's, the, the scene is, is immediately you get the feel of how dark and, and like, how, how desperate they all are. And because of that, it, it really adds a lot to the, kind of the, the tone and the feel and, and how much, like, I feel like you immediately get, get on board with, oh, crap, these guys are, are screwed. Like, this is, and, you, and you're, you're immediately rooting for them and everything, even if you don't know them very well. I just find it amazing that they brought Colossus back. The yeah. same actor from X-Men 2 yeah. and 3. It's like, he does nothing. <laughs> he gets ripped apart, like, in both versions. Uh-huh. Uh, both both ways of seeing all of them die. He gets just ripped apart. Yeah, and, uh... The Sentinels of the Future are terrifying. Yeah, I agree. Like, yeah. that's, that's one change from the comics that I really love. Because you yeah. made them not, not these weird, giant, purple things with faces that they're like genuinely yeah. terrifying I'd still like to see that just just for you know comic books yeah, sake, I, I, I'm, I'm fine it. with it because the Sentinels in the 70s look enough like yeah, them yeah that's what I'm going to say that, that's, that's I wish they maybe looked a bit more like yeah, them yeah I would but I don't know I don't know how much further you can go I don't know how you do that in this particular universe yeah thank you um, I don't even know how I'm not even sure you could get away with that in Deadpool yeah you you might be able to get I, I I'd like to see them try. Yeah. I'd like to see them try. Yeah, I agree. Um Yeah. Uh the, the so the, the the one thing with the row cut that I will say is there's there's a deleted scene towards the beginning that's a conversation between all the, the survivors kind of arguing about whether or not they're okay with the fact that they're probably going to get wiped out of existence or they could get wiped out of existence. Or that that, you know, they won't be able to like keep jumping like this is their last like if they if Kitty decides to send Wolverine back in time this yeah. this will be like their their last stand their last yeah and like they, they won't be able to escape it's either hey the future gets changed and we'll we, we'll probably be wiped out of existence or we all die horribly yeah. that's that's the only the only scene I would argue should really be left in but Halle Berry gives like a little speech where she's like hey do you want a better future or not and it doesn't really work because Halle Berry's delivering the lines and it... see I think she's actually fine with that <laughs> I, I, I it's an know. honorary least favorite this <laughs> like I said like I, I think she's actually she actually does alright it might have just been because she gets so few lines that just her getting more I'm like oh that's weird <laughs> yeah I don't know but I don't know why they didn't leave that in I feel like that yeah, them weighing the pros and cons of sending Wolverine back. Like, I. Yeah, that would have been great. I mean, it's, it's what, like a minute? Yeah, it's not, if that. It wouldn't have done much. I, I, uh, I think that would have 
Yeah. Um, let's see. What, what else is, is that? Is that pretty much everything we, we need to cover? I know the, the there's there's more to dissect a little bit with the, the future stuff. Or are you? I guess you want to talk about the McAvoy Stewart. I love it. <laughs> I because it's the centerpiece of his arc. Yeah. And I love that they're able to do it, and it makes enough goo, you know, weird sci-fi whatever sense. Like it makes enough sense. Yeah. For him to be, I I just love that he reads Wolverine's mind, and we get like a montage of all the X Men movies. First off, like I love that. Yeah. And then <laughs> I love McAvoy's mind. Like, I don't want your future. And then Wolverine's just like, look past my future. <laughs> like yeah. I, I love all that, and then. McAvoy talks to Patrick Stewart, and it's it's wonderful. Yeah, I love it. I agree with everything you were saying. I love it. It's good stuff. It's great. What a good. And then, and the probably one more thing we should talk about. Uh, uh, well, two things. Let's talk about Peter Dinklage. Oh yeah. I I love the fact. So so he's he's the the the, the pseudo villain. But yeah. that's the other thing that that I I find amazing about this movie is that no one is really. Like in first class, it's like X Men Two. I mean, I know Striker's kind of the clear feeling, but it's more like ideal, you know, ideological battles yeah. as opposed to, well, hey, this guy's like. I'd, I'd argue that even in X Men Two, he's Striker's very clearly the villain. Yeah. Well, in this one, Trask, like we don't really get a sense of of malevolence. Like he's, it's, it really is coming down to. I want Xavier. humanity to survive. Yeah, and and, and Xavier, Magneto, and Mystique are just kind of like battling it out as far as how do we handle this like and, and trying to kind of figure out where where to take the future and it's it's he de- like I mean obviously he creates the Sentinels but Magneto's the one who turns them on and that you know that leads to a whole new situation and you know he, but like, like in the original timeline he was shot before any like he was shot and that led to his creations becoming another continuity error to start to point out Boulevard Trask Oh, yeah. Short white man in the 70s. You go to X-Men 3 and he's just this big black guy. Yeah, that's a thing. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> he's whatever. See, and that's that's the thing is that in in the original timeline, Trask gets shot. So it's not like he, he was... It's not like he's responsible for the evil death sentinels and the camps and everything. Yeah. But, so, like, it, I love the fact that they don't... He's He's not really... I mean, I think he gets arrested at the end, so he gets some confidence, right? Well, it, it's mainly because he was presenting his Sentinel idea to all armies, not just the U.S. Army. Like, when he's in Paris, he's presenting it to the Vietnamese and, like, the communists. Yeah. <laughs> I just love the fact that... No, I, I'm just saying that's the reason why he gets arrested, because war, war crimes. Yeah, but um, the fact that, that it's... it's we don't really we get a sense that this is just a dude who's fascinated by mutants and he's he's scared for humanity and so he's trying to find ways to, to you know pull everyone together him. yeah like that's he's he's his motivations are clear and he's he's not a bad guy really like he's he's there there's not really any problems with him um and i also love the fact that they don't address that that uh, peter Dinklage is is a I don't know what's what's the the politically correct term. I guess he's short. Yeah, whatever. D- they don't address that at all. They don't address the height issue. They don't make that a thing. Yeah, they don't make it like he's. I mean, they, there's a there's a bit of it where where he 
conversation where you might be picking that up. Well, if you I, read into it, but... he he's saying he he's reading off uh, Professor X's thesis from first class, and he's like, "Well, in this situation, now we are the ne- Neanderthal." And then the, the the government guys go, "Speak for yourself." Oh, that's supposed to be. Oh, that's that's kind of what I hinted at because all of them start like a bunch of them start laughing. I don't know. I I took that as a slight against him for oh, being short. But um, but yeah, I just love the fact that generally that's not. I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. That's not at all like a thing. Like it, it's, let's just go with I'm wrong. Sure. I'm okay with that. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I I appreciate that a lot. Um. You're hurtful. That's right. Because I, I generally feel like the most progressive things you can be is just to be like, hey, this is a thing in the world and we're not even going to address the fact that this is a thing in the world because we shouldn't even have to. Like, this is just a... a Unless, of course, the story calls for it. Yeah. I mean, you can make stories designed around it, but, but I feel like generally it's... I, I love when stories are just kind of like, yeah, this is, this is a thing. This is yeah. a thing. That's, that's just how... That's why, like, the the strong female character thing, that only really works when you're not constantly going, oh, hey, she's a girl. Yeah. Like, you're not constantly bringing that... She's like, okay, she's just a fully functioning yeah. character, and she just does things in the plot. Yeah. Exactly. Um, is that anything else you have to say? I love the ending. With with all of our favorite characters being back at the oh, X yeah. Mansion and Wolverine Wake, ah, I love it. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, I have one extra. Actually, this is, I have little nitpicks and stuff. I wish Nightcrawler had been there. I know Alan Cumming quit for whatever reasons back in X Men Two. Uh, I guess he didn't like the makeup or whatever. Mm. But I wish it had him been him and Beast walking together down the hallway, being like, "Hey, hey, Logan, how's it going?" Yeah. I, I I feel like that would have been a nice touch. I know Nightcrawler's not in this movie at all, but yeah. I would have appreciated that. But just seeing Gene and him going over there and being like, Gene, you're here! And he, oh, he's about to grab her, and then Scott just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> ah, it's great! Yeah. It's great, and I love it. Oh, my, my other little nitpicky thing. <laughs> This is just because I, I find Havoc in these movies to be semi-interesting. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's some, like, a missed opportunity in all these. Especially when you get to Apocalypse. But, um, he's just at in Vietnam and Mystique rescues him and the other mutants. Mm. And then he just doesn't come back into the plot at all. Yeah. He shows up on, like, watching a screen at the very end. No, he's not, he's not in that ending montage. When no, Magneto's not. having I his speech. Nope. I'm like 99% sure about this. I know they show Toad and they show a couple of the other guys. I'm I'm like 99% sure oh. Havoc is not in that. I know they... What? They show Quicksilver. Yeah, no, yeah, yes. Because they show Quicksilver with his sister that's not Scarlet Witch. I, whatever. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But what, what's, what's the context of the other scene they show him in? What other scene? He's just in the Vietnam scene. Is that it? Yeah. This is why I have the issue. That's weird. I don't know. I, I could have sworn he shows up on like two scenes, and that's what made it almost more glaring to me. Was that it was like okay? I don't know. Whatever. But I I wish 
especially because they play him as like a loner and he wants to be in solitary confinement in first class and then he he finally finds a family with Xavier and all them and then he immediately gets shipped off to Vietnam I'm not taking into account anything about his parents from Apocalypse I'm not looking at that yet we'll get to that but it's like wouldn't the first place he'd want to go to once being back from Vietnam would just be the X-Mansion like I wish that after they returned from failing in Paris I wish he had been there that way you could have started to build up a little bit of... You could have almost proxy, proxied for, for Scott and Wolverine's relationship, since that's not really yeah. taken care of much. Like, you could have had Havoc be the proxy for that. And that's true. Done a little bit with that. I don't know. And then also, I feel like... I know the Climax already has enough stuff going on, but just, like, in, in the past stuff, Wolverine doesn't do anything. And I, I kind of... I'm just imagining this in my head, like Havoc and Beast fighting off like a whole bunch of Sentinels off on the side, yeah. like in the smaller part of the stadium. Uh-huh. All the st- I know it might have been a little too much, but I don't know. I, I would have liked to have seen it done, mostly because I just want more Havoc. Yeah, that's fair. Now anything else? I guess I'm just wrong. I'm <laughs> always just wrong. I, th- I think I'm done. Okay. I th- it's, it's, it's a good we are, movie. We are rolling it's a good movie. Really unpacking this. It's good stuff. All right. There's probably more continuity issues I could point out, but whatever. <laughs> See, that, that's the problem with how my brain works. When I go back and watch these movies, it's not... it. I mean, it is partially, hey, just sit back and enjoy the movie. But it's also like, I need to find more continuity issues. Or maybe I can somehow piece this in my brain that... Finally, this time, I'll get it all to work together in my brain. <sighs> I just need to enjoy movies more. I need to stop overanalyzing them. This podcast isn't helping anything. <laughs> good night and good luck. <laughs> Alright, let's... <laughs> just keep prancing on and on and on. Let's get to grades. Can we make it two hours? <laughs> We're not going to put you people through that. Great, go. Alright, so I'm giving this a flat A. This is my highest grade so far. Are we? Do we have an A plus in our system? Yeah. Okay. I know you have an F minus in your system that I... I mean, that A plus I, is actually a thing. That I know, I know. <laughs> but I, I once indulged in your F minus for X-Men 3. I'll never do I that again. feel dirty about it. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> See, to me, an A+. Plus. I don't know. I don't... For me, I don't see much difference between A and A+. Plus. See, I, to me, to me, I think an A+, plus is, is a, 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 it, it's, it's a... It's a perfect movie. It's 100. Like, that's... That's kind of what I think of an A as. Like, I, I, I almost think in, like, my system, A+, plus doesn't really have any room. See, that's, that's, that's what I was talking about a while ago. That, like... For me, an A is a movie that is... It's... It's... it's I mean, when I think A, I think... When I think flat A, I think, like, 95. 96, something like that. Like, I, when I think A+, I think 100. Like, yeah. that, that, that's, that's probably the best way I can sum it up. So, like... Like, when bitch... I think my biggest problem with this movie is that, is that it's kind of entrenched in, in a franchise that it can't really escape from and continuity-wise. And I, mean, and I know a lot of that, you could argue, is, is the, it may be the fault of the, the Brian Singer first place I, I, that's more Matthew Vaughn's fault I, I mean I'd say Matthew Vaughn and Brett Renner both did not do anything to help but 
if you want the least amount of continuity problems, watch the first three X-Men movies and then this. Yeah. That's true. Um, no, I was going to say. And, and... I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time not giving it an A+, but I feel like there's just a few little things where I... Overall, there it's just kind of... Like, if, it, if this was the culmination of, of years of planning, then it would be an A+. Yeah. And it was it was almost the exact same movie, then, it, then I think it would be A. The only reason it's not... The only reason it doesn't get that extra notch is because it's not quite... Like, there, I mean, I, I don't think I could come up with ten movies that I've ever watched that I would give an A+. It's actually a very genius way to do prequels without having them feel just completely irrelevant. What? Like you have your your main movies, then you have your your first prequel, then the next one. Hey, we're just completely changing the timeline, yeah. so now everything else is now relevant. Yeah. Like that's that's yeah. brilliant. It's it's. it's I'm, I'm just thinking that for like your average film franchise. I mean, yeah, it's incredible to me that a lot of things can't to, use time travel, but yeah, they were able to reboot within the franchise and it actually worked. Yeah. And I don't know that anyone else has ever attempted that. Star Trek. Yeah, I mean that, that, and I would argue that this works. one does it a million times better. Yeah, but but it's also yeah because they I don't know Star Trek that, that's 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 a whole other story which we will never get to because that is we would have to do all the original movies I feel like otherwise we would there's just, a lot of bad in that otherwise we would just be reviewing two movies and I would feel bad about that so we're not doing that but that's that's a whole other story anyway it's it's yeah I don't know. And that was that was more out of out of necessity too. Star Trek, where they they, they had to find some way. Of kind well, of, they just didn't want to make the fanboys yeah. angry. Be like, it's still in the same continuity, technically. This one they didn't. But we want to do a reboot. This one they didn't have to do it, but they did, and I, I very much appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, when I think of a plus movie, it's just just a few that shouldn't be spoilers because spoilers in quotation marks because nobody actually cares, but. That I don't think we'll ever get around to reviewing these, but like I would, I would argue. I think for me, all three Lord of the Rings movies are A plus. Um, personally, I know Jurassic Park is probably an A plus for me. Back to the Future, maybe. There, there's a couple. There's a handful of movies that I personally on on just just enjoy immensely. Yeah. Um, and and a few of those have gone there. I don't know how many we'll ever review on the podcast, but this this movie it's it's kind of because of the fact that. It's in the middle of the of a franchise, and there's so many issues going on that I can't quite give it a perfect. But it's it's so good that I like I have to give it an A. See, my my feelings are like exactly the same, except with my screwed up scoring system. A and A plus are kind of synonymous. I I really need to to think over like <laughs> what differentiates that. I I'm I'm probably gonna go with an A minus. Okay. Like like I I. I get a very like I'm I'm just looking at all the scores that I've given. Yeah. Like, I don't know X Men Two. I gave an A minus. I'd probably say overall this is a better film, but I, I can't quite <laughs> make enough yeah. of a difference to like raise it a grade or not. I gave Casino Royale an A minus. It's mostly just emotional impact on me. Yeah. That's that's the biggest thing to get into the A range. But then like like I said A A and A plus I I really. Don't know. Well, and you've kind of have you specifically talked about how on the I don't know if you have on the podcast before about how you kind of 
sit at a letter grade and then go up or down depending on. That, that's some, some some movies don't work with that. What I the way I try to think of my scoring system is the the letter grade that I give it is the objective part, and then the plus or minus or just neither of those is yeah. is, is the subjective part. Sometimes that doesn't work. Yeah, a lot of times that doesn't work. But I, I I've, I've noticed a pattern where that that seems to make the most sense to me. But probably not. <laughs> I'd like I'd like to look at that more and see how how that if that makes any sort of sense. I'm sorry, I, I dragged on with that a bit. We'll get to an hour and a half. Dang it! <laughs> no, we won't. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm giving it an A minus. It it is my favorite of the franchise. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> and, and people who who hate Brian Singer and hate these movies, I. I feel bad. You're, you're just missing out on good movies. Specifically, this movie, like, I, if it, it, it's it's hard to talk about it without talking about Apocalypse. We'll, we'll get there. This almost could have been the end to this franchise. This movie, if you hadn't had the Mystique yeah. twist at the end, this could have been the end. I mean, I think with the Mystique twist, I, th- I think I, don't, I, I feel like it's a lot more of a clean cut if you just have the oh striker got him what this is how Weapon X now happens that like but see I don't I don't necessarily I I think if you end it like that then that's the perfect note to end on of hey this is or the you know it, the world is un, or the world is constantly changing it is what you make of it like I, I I like that I theme a lot and I think that's a good I think that would be an incredible high note to end on yeah I guess. I, I think I think yeah I think you could definitely argue that this that they could have just ended here, done Deadpool and started something else. So what we're trying to say is, if you don't like Apocalypse or anything else that comes after this, you don't have to think of it as counting. It can just stop here. Sure. Don't you feel dead inside? <laughs> All right, everybody. Next week we're doing another good movie. Yeah, Deadpool. Um, excited about that one. Yep. Uh, you can find us at HCTC. Go home, you're drunk. On the Twitter, you can find us through email at uh, herecomethesequels at gmail.com. You can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com, and that's that's pretty much it. So, yeah, we'll, we'll let you go. Yep. Are we not done yet? <laughs> Stay where we're.